everybody. Dr. Joe Vitale of Hypnotic Gold with another Hypnotic Gold audio moment for Hypnotic Gold members only. And I'm very excited because everybody wants to attract money. Everybody wants to be a millionaire. Everybody wants to be a multi-millionaire. But how do you do it? What are the secrets and is there a formula for having that happen? Well, I found somebody who has found those secrets and has created the formula, and he's my interview for this evening. Before I even introduce him, I want to make sure he's on the line. So, Paul, can you just say hello? Yes, thanks for having me on the show this morning. All right. Paul McCormick. Paul McCormick didn't have much money while growing up, but when he was only 22 years old, he had the opportunity to work with dozens and eventually hundreds of multimillionaires. Soon he discovered something amazing about these people. They knew a secret to creating wealth, and it's not what most people think. Eventually, Paul discovered their secrets and assembled the principles together into what he calls his formula for becoming a millionaire. Paul used these principles to find his own success early in life and at 27 years old became the owner of his own multi-million dollar company and was CEO for the next 10 years. Now Paul speaks and writes about how you may discover true wealth, freedom, and happiness. Learn what the happiest and wealthiest people have always known. It's going to be revealed in this interview for Hypnotic Gold members only, and it's revealed in his new book, Secrets of the Millionaire Inside. Secrets of the Millionaire Inside reveals the seven-step formula for becoming a millionaire. In it, Paul shares the secrets he gained from working with hundreds of millionaires over a span of nearly 20 years. So I'm going to be interviewing Paul McCormick, and his website is www.formulaformillionaires.com. I'll give that out again later. And again, we're talking about secrets on the millionaire, secrets of the millionaire inside. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Well, thanks again. I'm so excited to be here to talk about two incredibly fun discussion topics today. One is money, and then what does that have to do with our happiness and spirituality? And uh, they really tie together. In fact, I say if, you're, if, if you don't have money flowing in your life, then something's really wrong inside. And that's really what I talk about in my books, too, is how do you have both? How do you be happy? How do you be spiritually aligned? And how do you make millions of dollars doing what you absolutely love to do? Well, you really know how to come out of the gate with a bunch of questions that, <laughs> with an opening statement that raises all these questions. Uh, first of all, what in the world does happiness have to do with money? Let's just take that one. Well, you know, I, th- I thought when I was growing up that, that I'd be happy when I got a lot of money. And then I got a lot of money, and I wasn't exactly happy. In fact, when I had the most money in my life, I was the most disappointed. And uh, that, you know, that was when I was in my corporate career. And it led me to, d- to dig deeper and discover, you know, I had learned these principles that we're talking about, the seven-step formula for becoming a millionaire. I had discovered these early in my 20s because I got the chance to work with dozens and even hundreds of these entrepreneurs. And so I applied those principles to, to my financial life and to my career, and I became a millionaire. But I, I, wasn't, I, I actually wasn't happy because I thought that I was supposed to feel different when I got there. And when I got there with a lot of money, I didn't feel any different about myself, and I realized something was wrong. And uh, what I realized was I had not applied this formula to all the other areas of my life. Once I discovered how to do that, I realized this formula is not just about money. This formula is about how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, I discovered how do you be happy, how do you be free, how do you, how do you be spiritually aligned, and have millions of dollars all at the same time. 
And I thought, this is huge. This, you know, that's why I eventually walked away from my career to start writing books and the speaking to help people understand not only how do you have millions of dollars, but how do you do it in a way where you're following your passion and you absolutely love your life. And that's what this book is all about. And that's what I want to hear more of. But I've got to start back at the beginning because you used the phrase uh, that you worked with. You had the opportunity to work with a lot of millionaires and entrepreneurs. And I said it in your introduction, too. So how did you have the opportunity when you're 22 years old to work with dozens and eventually hundreds of multimillionaires? Since that was the bedrock of your research, how did you fall into that? Well, you know, we we grew up with all these myths around what money is and how to get money. And and society tells us, you know, go to college, get a good job, work hard, invest in your 401k plan, uh, save your money, invest in stocks, do all these things, and someday you'll retire, you know, when you're 65, 68 years old, and everything will be okay. And And that's what I call the money myth. And that was the path that I was on. So... My dad was an engineer, so I went to college. I worked my way and put myself through college. I, I got a degree in civil engineering, and I got out, and I started working at a civil engineering company. Not particularly the way to wealth, I guarantee you. <laughs> but, in, but in my job, I got the opportunity. Uh, we developed, you know, I was a civil engineer, so we worked with developers who, who developed real estate. So I got to work with clients of mine that were millionaires, and I, I discovered that they didn't follow any of the formulas that I thought was the way to wealth. Many of them didn't go to college. Many of them didn't have a traditional job. They didn't spend their money the way I thought they should be spending their money. They definitely didn't even think about saving money. And I saw the things that they were doing, and I saw the way they thought about money. I thought about the way that they were taking action to bring value to the world. I mean, they were building communities, building shopping centers, building auto dealerships, building infrastructure for society to use. And and they were bringing value to people long before they got paid. And they were becoming eventually incredibly wealthy off of that. And so that's how I got the chance to work with dozens and hundreds for several years, hundreds of these investors, entrepreneurs, multimillionaires. And I discovered the commonalities between them all, the way that they think to create wealth. Mm. Well, this is very fascinating because in your book, Secrets of the Millionaire Inside, you reveal this seven-step formula that obviously took root when you were doing that research way back then. And I guess I just got to make sure that everybody's on the same page here, and I got to ask you a question that I need an honest answer from. Uh, are you a millionaire? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it was, I, I, I can't imagine how I could write a book about how to become a millionaire if I wasn't one myself and hadn't, and hadn't become one many times over in many different fields. Well, you know, there was a book that went around uh, because this person wrote a book on marketing. They were sending it to marketing people like myself. And remember, this was a book on marketing. And they would send it to people like me and say, how do I market this book? And yeah, so right. <laughs> there, there are people out there that are writing books about things they don't know about. And mm -hmm. I don't mean that to be insulting. What I'm trying to do is establish your credibility for my Hypnotic Gold members to know this is a guy to listen to. Not only did you hang around with and study the multimillionaires when you were 22, but you went on to form your own company, a multimillion-dollar business. You've gone on to be a millionaire, if not a multimillionaire, and you've gone on to reveal these secrets in your book, Secrets of the Millionaire Inside. So this is why I wanted you to say that. I want people to lean forward and listen and take notes. This is important. Yeah, a couple of things that separates me from a lot of the different peoples, and I got asked this on the radio yesterday, 
was what what does separate me on, on this topic of writing about becoming a millionaire? And I said, well, two things. First of all, uh, I make I still make most of my money from the f- from practicing the formula. Okay, uh, because what I hate worse than anything else is when you're sitting in an auditorium full of people and you paid five hundred dollars to have this seat and you're listening to a guy tell you how to become wealthy, and you know that most of his money is made because five hundred people are sitting in the auditorium paying him to listen yes. to him tell us, right? Yes. Right. Okay, well, still 99% of my wealth is created not because of the books I sell and not because of you signing up to be a member with me, but it's because of the other things I'm doing in the industry, practicing the seven-step formula to becoming a millionaire. It's, it's, it's me putting these things into practice that still has made most of my wealth. The second thing is we're going to be talking about three principles today. I want to share with you three principles. What are the, what are the takeaways that you can take from this interview today? Mm-hmm. What are the three things that anybody can do com- starting tomorrow, starting today, that you can do today, tomorrow, and the next day? What are the three things you can do to put yourself on this path? Because you don't have to have the experience that I had. You don't have to be working with dozens of millionaires to learn what this is. All you have to do is read my book or listen to Joe Vitale or listen to Paul McCormick talk about how to do it. And so I'm going to give three principles. But one of those principles is to, to, to understand that you need to spend a small amount of money to save a small amount of time. And I call it stop loving money. Well, that's, wait a minute. I've got to stop you there. I got to tell you that that was the thing that grabbed me right at the throat at the beginning of your book, because I started reading Secrets of the Millionaire Inside, and I got to that one where you were talking about the well. And I may have to paraphrase this, so correct me if I get it exactly wrong. Uh, if millionaires are not focused on money as their highest value, they're focused on time as their highest value. Is that correct? That's correct. They don't and, love money at all. Yes, though that was so revealing to see you had stated that in such a way I hadn't come across it before because too many people are saying money is evil or the love of money is evil, and you come out of the left field here basically saying that rich people aren't focused on money at all. Right. Now, nothing is wrong with loving to make millions of dollars. Wealth, I love to make millions of dollars. Wealthy people love to make millions of dollars, but their their love for it has nothing to do with the money. When it comes right down to money, they don't love money at all. They don't even value money. And, and I'm going to prove that today. We're going to talk about why that, how, how could that be possible. Mm. But because most people don't grow up with money and we look at celebrities and we look at television and we see all these rich people, we get the idea that the wealthy people are rich, greedy people and that they love money more than anything else and they would do just about anything to get it. And we think that that's why they have so much money is because they're willing to do anything to get it, and and that that's really about all the thing. That's about all they love is money. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying no, that's a myth. After my work with all the millionaires that I've worked with, I discovered they don't love money at all. Now they love making money, but but they don't love money at all. They don't even value money, not hardly at all. And you say, well, how could that be true? And I'll say, well, let me explain. The average middle class, even the poor and middle class working people actually love money and value money a thousand times more than the millionaires do. That's and how, an amazing statement. And, and, why, and why would that be? Well, think about it. We, 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 we work for a job for $10 an hour, $15 an hour, $20 an hour. Multimillionaires would never do that. Who loves money the worst? We're willing to do just about anything. We're willing. So many people are willing to work just about any job 
to get money. 80% of the United States is dissatisfied with their jobs. 80% of, of everyday career workers are dissatisfied with their job. But they go because they're doing it for only one thing, money. Now, um, uh, the wealthy would never do that. They don't do what they don't want to do. Mm. Okay, now what are some other things that everyday Americans do? Everyday, not just Americans, well, probably but anybody. Clipping coupons and we clip coupons. We shop rebates. for sales. Yeah. We 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 uh, we park sometimes four blocks away from the front of the store mm-hmm. because we don't want to pay for the parking garage. We you know save our quarters, save our dollars. Walk four blocks to the store. On Saturday, we we mow our lawns instead of pay for the lawn service. On Sundays, we wash our cars because we don't want to pay the twelve dollars to go through the car wash. <laughs> I mean, this is what my lawn service told me a couple months ago. I said, how's business? This was like the end of October, and they said, it's just about fell over a cliff because everybody's mowing their own lawns now because they don't want to pay the lawn service because the economy is so tight. People are washing their cars. They're doing all these things. Now, you tell let me, who loves money the most? You see, it's, it's, the, it's the mentality that we take that says – we value money. We love money so much we're not going to give it up. We're going to spend our time doing whatever we can to save money. So we spend our time mowing our lawns, clipping coupons, shopping for sales, walking the four blocks to the front of the door because we don't want to pay them a parking meter or the parking garage. We spend our time trying to save money. And the wealthy do the exact opposite, 180-degree flip. They spend money trying to save time. You see, they don't value money. They value time. Everybody else values money and doesn't value their time. That's amazing. That, that is the difference between the wealthy and everybody else. I now, know he, when I first started paying somebody 20 years ago to cut my grass, at first, the very first few times, there was the relief that I wasn't doing that labor. And then there was a little bit of guilt that I was paying somebody to do what I could do. But then I realized that that time I wasn't, spending out there cutting the grass, which was not my forte, which was not my passion, which was not my love, which was not something I was really good at. I used that time to write my next article, my next book, to record my next program. I used it to create something that made money. At this point in my life, I don't do any of the things I don't like to do. I've got tax people. I've got lawn people. I've got pool people. You know, is this an example of what you're talking about? where the rich shift their focus from money to time, and as a result, they're able to create things that attract money. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, I mean, you hit it right on the head of the nail. And the, the thing that's a little bit difficult for most people to grasp when, when we say this, because that's it, is you know, start spending some money to hire people to help you out so you can do something more productive, so you can follow your passion, and you can turn your passion into, into something that you can share with the world in a way that brings value to them and, and create wealth off of it as well. And when we talk that way, most people say, well, that's all fine and good, Paul, but I don't have money. I don't yeah. have money to hire the lawn service. I don't have money to hire a limousine driver to drive me around or somebody to run my well, errands. Well, I'd love to know what you tell those people. And I say, um, you, you know, and, and you look at the, the celebrities of the world, and, and they say, look at how they lavishly spend that money. Mm. And, and, and we think that those the wealthy people lavishly spend that money because – they have the money to spend, and, and that's actually a myth. Hmm. They, don't, they don't lavishly spend their money like that because they have the money to spend. It's the opposite. They have that money to spend because they started acting that way a long time ago. So it, you, have, you, you do start small. 
okay, nobody's going to, you know, somebody listening to this audio today that doesn't have a lot of money isn't going to go out tomorrow and hire a limousine driver and, and get a first-class ticket to Hawaii mm-hmm. and hire people to do all these things for them. But what I'm asking is you have to start, and you can start small. You can start with $15 mm-hmm. or $5 or $10. I did the same thing that you did you know, when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, and I was learning these principles from these entrepreneurs and multimillionaires, and I discovered that the thought process and the behavior comes first, and then the money comes afterwards. Mm. And so I took $15, and I hired a lawn service. So I was like 24, 25 years old. And, I, and so it saved me an hour a week because I didn't have to mow my lawn anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, and, I, and it was hard for me at that time to scrape up the 15 bucks. And so when people say, I don't have any money, I say, listen, it takes $5, $10, or $15. That's all you need to start. But you absolutely have to figure out how to scrape it up. So you know, go without a latte for a week or go without your cable TV for a month. I mean, just find 15 bucks, And if you want to, you will. I guarantee you will. But with $15, hire somebody to do something for you that saves a little bit of time. That's I'm- all you need to do to start. I love that starting tip right there, and it's so easy. That's that's doable. But I gotta I gotta ask you again uh, another tough question. We're in a tight economy. At least if you listen to the media, it seems like we are on the we're down the toilet. Uh, if you listen to the media and the doom and gloom and the financial strife and bailouts and this that and the other going on, it's 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 it can get really scary if you buy into it. But you say that the tight economy is actually the best time to spend money. And you also say that despite any economic crisis, you can still make money because that doesn't really matter. Can you explain both of those? Yeah, a lot of it is because um, the competition is dwindling in a tight economy. Mm. I mean, so you know, when I was talking to my lawn service, his business, his business had dropped in half like in a month mm. because everybody just dropped off. He was desperate to find people to mow lawns for, and he was willing to negotiate and do it for a lot less money to keep his employees busy. So when you're looking at beginning these principles, and all you have is $5, $10, $15, and you're looking to hire people to do something for you, this time of the economy is the best because people are hungry. The people who clean houses have lost a lot of work, and and, and they're looking for somebody like you to negotiate with and, and give you a great deal just so they can keep busy. So it's a good time because the competition has dropped off. People are hungry for work, and you can bring value to people. You can give them food, you know, give them money so they they have food and shelter for themselves. Mm -hmm. You're helping them out by doing this, but they're willing to negotiate with you and give you a good deal. And it it, it all starts with you. I mean, you have to take the first step. If, If people, we grow up thinking that I don't have the money to do it. When I get the money, then I'll do it. And you see it will never come that way. You have to take the first step. And and what happened to me when I began doing this was, you know, when I saved that hour a week, I didn't just go, oh, great, I got an hour a week now saved. I'll, I'll go watch TV. Mm-hmm. That would be a total waste of time. You have to do something more productive with the time that you save. And for me, it was working on the wealth plan. It's what I call the seven-step formula for becoming a millionaire. It's figuring out what you want to do and how you can bring value to somebody else and then working on it. 
And in a short amount of time, you, you know, you can create some value. I mean, for some people at the beginning, it might be that if you got an opportunity to work some extra hours at your office and put in some overtime, mm-hmm. that you do that. Maybe that's a little bit of a way that you, you start the process. In other words, I'm not going to mow my lawn for an hour, but I'm going to work an extra hour at the office. Exactly. And you can probably make more money working overtime at the office than you would have been making for 10 bucks an hour mowing your lawn. Hmm. So that might be a way that it starts. The bottom line is when you save time, you have to do something more productive with your time than what you would have been doing. And so after a little while, I saved an extra 30 or 40 or $50 because I hired the guy to mow my lawn. And now you don't go spend that 40 or $50 on a new t- you know, clothing or TV or something like that. I mean, you take that money and you reinvest it back the same way, and you hire somebody to do something else for you. And you keep hiring people to do things for you because, again, it's this principle where you stop loving money and you're willing to let it go. I think and, that's the million-dollar tip of the day if people just get that right there. Right. Stop loving money and love your time. Right. And, and you, then you and you keep investing it. And so now you've created a cycle where you spend money to save yourself some time and do something more productive with your time. And then you earn a little bit money. And, and it's just a little bit at first. But you reinvest it. Pay somebody to do something else. Wash your cars. Fix your cars. Clean your house. And then you continue to work on the wealth principles. And you make a little more money. And what do you do with that money? You keep investing it. And so it grows, you see. What you're doing is you get more and more free time, and you get more and more money. I mean, it's a wonderful cycle to be in. It's Mm -hmm. the opposite cycle of everybody else. See, everybody else is in the cycle where I don't feel like I have enough money, and so I have to work harder. And the harder I work, I have no time. Mm -hmm. And so I get less and less free time, and I still feel strapped, and I don't have money. And so this is the rat race that everybody's in. I mean, and it goes year after year after year. And when I ask people, you know, do you feel that you have any more free time than you did three years ago? Everybody says, no, I have less. Well, what about financially? Do you feel any farther ahead financially than you were three years ago? No, I feel more strapped than I was three years ago. And I say, well, what do you think? Why do you think that in three years from now it'll be any different? You see, it won't unless you take the first step, spend a little bit of money to save a little bit of time. And and that's what the wealthy did, and they do it over and over and over. And so when you see them now, when they are very successful, they are spending enormous amounts of money to save enormous amounts of time. They're hiring limousine drivers, pool people to clean their pools, yard people to clean their yards, garden people. They have limousine. They have people come wash their cars in their yard. You know, They're flying first class. They're buying their own private jet because it will save even more time yet. I mean, you see, we look at it and think – Oh, they're spending a lavish amount of money. Well, no. They're, they're actually doing those things so that they create mm. an enormous amount of money. You see, it's the opposite. Yeah, Paul, I love that. Well, you mentioned earlier that you have three principles that people can take away, that are like takeaway points or insights. Can you go through those? Yeah, and, and the first one uh, leads me to a story because I want to tell this story about a little boy. Mm-hmm. And uh the little boy happens to meet me when I was about four years old. And I, I, I want to talk about this because it leads to the illusions and the beliefs that we form about ourselves. Hmm. And the beliefs that we form about ourselves stick with us our entire lives. And the amount of money that we have or don't have in our life usually is tied directly to the beliefs that we have about money and the beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so I want to talk about when I was about four years old uh, – I have two sisters, and we were outgrowing the house that we were in. 
And so my dad decided to build build a new house himself. And so uh, we we got a rental we got a rental house, and he started building right next door. And uh, and it was one Sunday night. My mo- my mom took uh, my two sisters, and they went to church on Sunday evening. And my dad stayed home to work on the house. And so the house that he was building was about two blocks through the woods. It was it was in a wooded area, and there was a trail through the woods. And so we would walk every evening from the rental house through the woods over to the construction site where my dad was building. And I was four, and so I was walking around the construction site. My dad was working on the house, and it was evening time. And there was an old car on the property that was an abandoned car, and I used to play in the car. And I climbed inside the car, and I I was in the back seat, and I sat there. And I was just waiting for, like, hours for my dad to get done, and I fell asleep. And when I woke up, it was pitch black outside. And I was really scared. And I got out of the car, and I, I started to call for my dad, and he he was gone. And this was in such a wooded area, and there and there were bears in the area, actually, oh, at boy. night sometimes. And and I got very scared, and I began to cry, and I called out to my dad, 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 where are you? And And I felt amazingly abandoned at that point in time because I thought, my dad left me. I can't believe my dad left me. I mean, I'm four years old. I'm in the dark. I, I can't even find my way home. I mean, home is only two blocks away, but it's through this trail through the woods, mm-hmm. and, and there's bears, and I'm scared to death. And I started crying, and I started crying out loud. And, and then I was afraid the bears were going to hear me and, and come eat me. Mm-hmm. And I, I started heading over toward you know where I knew that the trail was, and, and I started walking through the trail, and, and there was a, a big f- a big tree had fallen across, the, and we had to duck underneath the tree. And, you know, I kept bumping into things all the way home, but, but I was making my way home through the, through the woods. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is probably the middle of the night, but I thought, you know, when I get home, I mean, my family must be searching for me. They, they must be they're having a search party and, and calling, you know, help and everything. Mm-hmm. And I just imagined that when I walked in, they would throw their arms around me and and, and there'd be a celebration of the lost child come home. And I was so hurt and so sad, and I finally did find my way home. And, and I walked in the door, and my dad was in the bathroom washing his hands, cleaning up, getting ready for bed. It was probably like 11 o'clock at night. But, and my mom was in there talking to him. And when I walked in the house, nobody realized I was missing. <laughs> And here I am. I mean, it was a life-threatening situation for me, and I'd been abandoned, and I had been lost, and, and I found my way home, and tears are, are running down my face, and they're staining my shirt is all wet, and and I'm and I'm waiting for them to throw their arms around me and call off the search party, and they don't even know I'm missing yet. Hmm. And I felt at that point I thought I was hurt before, but at that point I became so hurt I just wanted to run and. and, and run into my bedroom and close the door, but I didn't even have a bedroom. It was a very, very, very small house. Us kids just slept in sleeping bags in in the living room. And uh, all I could do was go behind one of the doors to the living room where it closed. I'd kind of hide behind the door in the crack there, you know, and and that was my little area of solitude, and I just cried and cried and cried. Mm. And I remember that now like it happened yesterday because emotionally I was only four, but emotionally it impacted me so much. I realized at that point in time, that, and this is the perception, we, we form perceptions that may not be true, but I formed a perception that nobody cares for me, that I'm going to have to take care of myself, and that I'm going to have to do something very important to get noticed in life. 
because mm. nobody's even noticing that I was missing that night. Mm. And I formed that belief when I was four years old. And through my life, it, it, shaped, it shaped the direction of my life. You see, because I said, if I'm going to become valued, if I'm going to feel loved, if I'm going to feel good about myself, I need to make a big splash in life. I need to become something big. I need to get rich. I need to be in a position of, you know, the top of the chain, whatever that is. And that drove me all those years to climb the corporate ladder. And so when I was 23, 24 years old, you know, I met these millionaires and I said, I'm climbing that ladder. I'm figuring out what they do and I'm going to apply it to my life. And so I discovered that formula, and I applied it to my life when I was 23. You know, when I was 24, I started paying someone to do my lawn. Three years later, I was a millionaire. I became the owner of the company. I was a multimillionaire. I became the CEO. I was at the top of the corporate ladder. But that's when I realized I still didn't feel any different about myself, and that's where I realized I had to change the belief about myself. So the first principle – okay, we're going to share three principles today. Mm-hmm. The first principle is to recognize – that we formed a belief system about ourselves when we were very, very young. Everybody did. And it because may or may our, not be helpful. And it may or may not be helpful. It probably is not helpful. But I formed a belief system that said, you know, I'm gonna, I, I want to feel loved, and the only way I'm going to do it is, is to become you know, CEO, make a lot of money. And that was an entirely wrong belief system. And people do the same thing about money. Most people believe that money doesn't grow on trees, money is going to be hard to earn, and that you have to be smart, you have to have the right education, you have to be at the right place at the right time, and that, that fortune has to smile on you and, and bring you good luck. Mm. And so many people say, well, this didn't happen, this didn't happen, they didn't give me a raise, they didn't give me the position, they didn't you know, promote me. And it has nothing to do with them, it has to do with us. I mean, nobody gets promoted until you promote yourself. And um, so, you know, that's part of the money myth, the belief system that we grew up with. So the first thing is to shift, you know, figure out you are valuable. You are worth millions of dollars. You can create millions of dollars. My book is titled Secrets of the Millionaire Inside because there is a millionaire inside of everyone. And, you know, my role of my book and my mentoring and my classes is to draw that millionaire out, help you you find – How do you find that belief? If there is a belief that serves you or a belief that doesn't serve you in releasing, unleashing that millionaire, how do you locate it to do anything about it? We have this amazing guiding system inside of us called our emotions. Mm. And our emotions tell us when we're believing right or wrong. When you're feeling happy and at peace and everything is good in your life, then you've got great beliefs. When when you feel emotionally um, bad, then there's a belief that's wrong. So... I began to recognize, well, how, how, how does that really work in real life? Uh, I was working with my partners. I was, in part, I was CEO of the business, but I had partners. And at one point, I had um, a lot of c- conflict going on with me and my partners. And it was very emotionally distraught for me. And so I thought, well, here, I've got these terrible emotions. Things are, t- you know, relationship difficulties hurt us. And that's an emotion that was telling me something's wrong with my belief. And at the time, I was believing that, you know, I wanted to become more successful and that my partners weren't letting us do in business what I thought we needed to do. And I thought, you know, I want to build this company. I want to grow this company, and my partners won't let me do it. You see, there's that thought that somebody outside of me can control me. Hmm. And, and, and of course, I felt frustrated with it. So in a relationship situation, when I'm feeling bad about the relationship, 
you have to analyze the relationship and say, okay, what is the belief that I have that causes me to feel this emotional pain? Well, the belief is they're not letting me do what I want to do. They're, not, they're going to stop me from being successful. And so I pin, you know, that's the question is what belief do I have to have in order to create this pain? You just I mean, ask that of yourself and I you trust that. whatever comes up? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. And, and then you ask yourself, what if I didn't have that belief? What if I flipped that belief around? Hmm. Okay, so I flip that belief around to say, no, it's not up to my partners. They can't stop me from being successful. Uh, I trust in the universe. I trust in God. I trust in the power within me, the spirit that's part of me, that I can have peace and happiness and wealth and have all the success that the world wants to bring me. And as soon as I start saying that, I, I feel better. And I have to tell myself that over and over and over to become a habit, for it to become a belief, not only in my conscious mind, but in my subconscious mind. And once it becomes a belief, uh, it's easy to catch every time it comes up. When something happens in a relationship and you get that bad feeling, oh, wait, there's that bad feeling. What's the belief that causes that? Oh, yeah, so change my belief to believe that um, I, I am in control. I am working with you know my spirit, my power. I can control my destiny. I can control my financial future. Mm. And, and, and what happened was in my life, I began to shift my beliefs in this way. And when I changed the way I looked at things, the world began to change. Fascinating and, how that works, isn't and, it? And, and my partners changed. Mm. And the relationships changed. And my money situation changed. And I recognized this is amazing. I mean, it's amazing that I had power to control things outside of myself. I mean, it seemed that way. Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. kept asking myself, is it just my perception that's changed or have things actually changed outside of me? Mm. And I think things changed actually outside of me, but it really doesn't matter. The bottom line is I got happier and happier and richer and richer. And so it really didn't matter really what was the mechanism, but it was working. So and this first principle is involving belief. Yeah. Or how would you state it? I'm I'm trying to find the words to make sure I'm accurate with this. You create a new belief. Create a new belief that le that that's led by your emotions. You dump the old illusion. You dump your old beliefs because most of our beliefs we created when we were two, three, four, five years old. Hmm. Okay, with limited experience and limited knowledge, and 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 it's coming to terms with recognizing that a child forms some beliefs that aren't right, and it's now time to form some new beliefs. So create some new beliefs that are aligned with what you want in life. If you want to be a millionaire, create a belief that you're a millionaire. If you, if you want to have successful relationships, create a belief that you'll have successful relationships or that you already do. Which, and, is, and more, when, which is more powerful to state, that you are a millionaire or that you will become a millionaire? That you are. That you, you are. are. Absolutely. You are a millionaire. Now, it might not have manifest yet, but you are one. You are one because you have within your ability to create it, and you're going about doing the steps to create it. And, uh, you know, I did this amazingly. I mean, people think that millionaires can't, can't have financial trouble, but let me just, you know, <laughs> open up and be a little bit real to you. Even when I'm a millionaire, I've had financial troubles. And uh, we, we can even, even have millions of dollars and run cash poor sometimes. And this happened with me uh, this last summer. Uh, it was in like June, July, August. I was spending an enormous amount of money on a lot of different things. My book business, my speaking business, my real estate business. And I, I actually got in a situation where I was running out of money, of cash anyway. Mm -hmm. And I had a bunch of loans due, about a half a million dollars of loans due, due at the end of this year. And I saw that I was actually running out of money 
and I, I, I needed I needed about a half a million dollars by October of this last year, like two months ago. And so in June, I thought, oh my gosh, I need a half a million dollars of cash. How am I going to get it? And I decided to do this thing that a lot of people talk about is cre- to create my vision board. And I wrote this big, huge check of a half a million dollars, and I put it up on a wall. And I thought, you know, I need a vacation too because I'm getting really tired, so I want to go to Hawaii. So I need a half a million dollars, plus I need another $30,000 to have a really fabulous vacation in Hawaii. Mm. And so I wrote a check for $530,000, and I put it on the wall, and I said, you know, written out to Paul McCormick, here's the check, $530,000 by mid-October because that's when I need it, and I'm going to get it through uh, this particular business venture, okay? And every day I looked at it, and I said, that's mine. It's on the way. And what happened was every day when I looked at that, I knew that I had to put the formula to to the test as well. In other words, I could not just sit there and visualize for it to happen, but I actually had to apply my seven-step formula to it to make it come into reality. And that's one thing I drive home with a lot of people who love the law of attraction but can't ever get it to work in their life. I said, Mm -hmm. you know, it has to be a lot more than belief. It's belief plus the rest of the formula. Yeah. And so every day I'd look at that and I'd say, okay, so what do I have to do? And I would I would imagine what I need to do and what the steps are and what action I need to take, and then I would go take it. And so I worked on it. And one thing I, I realized about the way the universe works is it, it always works out, but it all it, a lot of times it works different than I think. And so we got into October, and I thought, you know, I, I can't imagine how this is going to come about. And I was about two weeks from running out of money at that point in time. And it was two weeks away, and out of nowhere, I got another idea. <laughs> mm. I got another idea. And I thought, you know, there's this, there's this partnership group, and I could go make a proposal to them to get a half a million bucks. And it's a half a million bucks I wouldn't have to pay back. I mean, it's, 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 it's my money. And I went to them, and they said no. And I, and I didn't give up, of course, because the, the, the check is on the wall. I mean, I know the money's mine. And the right. whole time I'm saying 530000 is mine in October by October 15th. And, and we're, we're like the 1st of October, and the other thing wasn't working. And my, my first proposal to this partnership group said no. But you see, the check's on the wall, and I know it's mine. It has to be mine. And when you take that sort of belief that says, well, it has to happen, your subconscious connects with your spirit, and it figures out a way to make it happen. It, it's, it's almost magical. But but it's 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 you too. It's you deciding to form a belief of what you want. So it goes back to your question: Is do you say you're going to earn it or you have it? No, I'm. Go- I say it's mine already. The check is mine. Mm-hmm. I I I told my wife to schedule the trip to Hawaii. She already booked the home, booked the first class airfare tickets, <laughs> because I had believed in it so much. I said, No, it's ours. We'll have the money. And she says, Well, what if we don't? I no, book the thing. We'll have the money. And so when I was that dedicated to say, no, the money is ours, the check is on the wall, it has to be here by October 15th, you know, so the partner said no, and Mm -hmm. so my mind just would not accept no, and it figured a whole different way to make a proposal to these people. So I proposed a different way, and they said yes. Uh, And by October 15th, they wrote me the check. Really? And have you gone to Hawaii, or is that yet? Well, we're out? going. We're going. Uh, this, I mean, that was two months ago. We're 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 scheduled to go next month. Beautiful. This yeah. is all about dropping the illusion and making a new belief. That's making your first a new principle. belief. That's my first principle. The second principle is what we've already touched on: is stop loving money. Yes. 
Okay, and we talked about stop loving money, spend money to save yourself time, and stop loving money. Got it. All right. And so principle three. Principle three is recognize that money is an idea. Hmm. Okay, and this is huge because most people think that money is an object. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so let's talk about what does that mean when people think that money is an object. Well, when you think that money is an object, then it has to be stored somewhere. Somebody has it, right? There's a certain amount of money out in the world, and you have to go find it. Mm. And so you, you look for a job to go work at. You look for a job that has money. Well, right now you probably wouldn't go work for General Motors, right, because they're, they're having trouble with money. But you, you look, who, you know, what's a good career path to go in, and that's where you maybe try to get some education or go to college to follow that particular career path because, hey, I want to make a lot of money. Maybe I need to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? So you try to follow, you follow where the money is, and then you go work for that job, and you exchange your time because the, the company has money, and I want to get some of it. Mm-hmm. You're thinking that it's an object that you have to get, so you trade your time for money, and then you get that money. Now you've got a pile of money. You've got to go stick it in the bank and, and so you, because it's an object. You've got to save it, and, and now you've got to pay your bills, and you've got to be careful how you spend it because you don't want to run out of it because it's this thing called money. And, and you want to invest it in your 401k and your savings plans and you know because you want to save it because mm-hmm. it's this pile of money that you can run out of. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking about money like it's an object. Okay, That's what most people do. And when you think that way, it's, it's really a poverty mentality. It's, it's a scarcity mentality to think that there's only a the certain amount of money in the world and that you have to find it and work for it and then save it and kind of hold it and, and kind of hoard it. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit along the lines of loving your money. right? You don't want to let it go. So when you think that money's an object, that's the way you behave. And when you behave that way, you'll you'll never become financially free. Well, if money's an idea, how do you use it to attract the I don't know if I'm trying to say it without saying the word object, but you know, we all want the money. We all you, want the green stuff. Yeah, how if, do you attract it to you and how do you create it? Yeah, how do you create it? How do you pull it in if it's an idea? If you reframe it in your mind, you have a new perspective. It's an idea, but how does that work on the bottom line approach to life? Well, the bottom line is every, every, all the wealth in the world was created through somebody's ideas. When you think about all the products we have in our house, we have computers, we have telephones, we have televisions, uh, you know, we have appliances. All, all these things were, were imagined in somebody's mind at one point, and somebody imagined it. Henry Ford you know, imagined, how can I take the automobile and make it you know, economically viable for everybody to own an automobile? He imagined it and, and then went about putting together the steps to actually make that happen. So imagination is where it starts. Ideas are where it starts. All value in the world was created by ideas. All the corporations, Bill Gates, Michael Dale, all these people, they envisioned, they imagined an idea of a way to bring value to people that, that created wealth for the world and wealth for themselves. Mm. So when people, when I'm in my coaching programs and I'm mentoring people, they ask me, Paul, what is the fastest way for me to get wealth? Is it real estate? Is it stocks? Well, they don't ask about stocks anymore. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But, you know, a few months ago they were asking, is it real estate? Is it stocks? You know, how, how do I get there? And I say, well, it's not the vehicle. It's your ideas that create the wealth. You know, stocks, I guarantee you there are people making millions of dollars on stocks today. And there's also a lot of people going bankrupt on stocks. There are people buying homes today and making millions of dollars on it. There's also a lot of people in foreclosure that are going bankrupt. There are people in real estate making money and losing money. There are people in stocks making money and losing money. There are people going into business that are making money or losing money. 
it's not about the vehicle. It's about the formula. When you apply the formula to the vehicle, you'll create wealth. When you don't apply the formula, it doesn't matter what vehicle you're in. You, you probably won't create wealth. So give, me, when, yeah, give me some more on that. Give me either an example or a tip or a takeaway point on how to apply the formula to the idea to create wealth. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's figuring out what is the vehicle you want to use. Okay. So the question is, what are you passionate about? Mm. Okay. Because what I believe, again, there's a, the secrets of the millionaire inside is the name of my book, which implies there's a millionaire inside of everybody. How do you draw it out? And I ask people, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about that's like the God-given gift that you were born to do? Mm. I mean, what is the thing that you would do even if you didn't get paid to do it? And, and, and so many people are driven to try to get money. Again, it comes back to the love of money. They're driven to get money, and they think, I have to do something that I really don't want to do to get it, so hopefully I don't have to do it very long. And that's the next mm. question they ask me is, well, how long does it take? Because I don't want to do it very long, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's the whole wrong premise. I hope you want to do it your whole life because I hope you're doing it on something you're passionate about. So my question is, what are you passionate about? And then people say, well, I'm not really passionate about anything that has to do with money. I mean, all I love to do is go to karaoke or I love fishing mm-hmm. or I love shopping or, you know, I love my music and my guitar. And I say, great, that's where you start then. I mean, if you had $50 million right now, and you were tired of vacationing in Florida and the Bahamas and Hawaii. And, you know, after you've traveled the world for two years and you're really tired of money, what would you do with your time? What is it that thing that you absolutely love to do? You know, what is your contribution to the world? And, and some people still say, well, it's my music or, or I just love shopping. Or, and I say, well, then that's your passion. Okay, so that's what you start with. And that's now what you do is – and so the seven-step formula is first figuring out what your passion is. And then using your imagination, and Einstein says, uh, imagination is more valuable than knowledge, okay? Because you can imagine how could you turn your passion into something of value for the world where you share it with hundreds, thousands, or even millions of people in a way to bring value to them and at the same time create millions of dollars for yourself. Now, let me give you an outrageous example. Some people say, well, all I love to do is shop. I can't make money. All I love to do is shop and spend it. I want to hear what you have to do with this one. And I say fabulous. You know, a year ago, 2007 in October, I went back to New York and I met with 100 uh, producers of national talk shows about putting together some talk shows for for them with me. And three days before I met with them, I'd uh, I'd scheduled to meet this woman who she loves to shop. And she that's all she loves to do. I mean, shopping is her passion. It's a <laughs> lifelong thing with her. And she figured out the secrets that I'm talking about of how to take your passion and turn it into a a, a million-dollar career for yourself. And she is a personal shopper for for wealthy people or for people who will pay her a lot of money. I paid her $5,000 to take me shopping for four hours in New York City. (laughs) And so she took me shopping, and that wasn't for the clothes. That was her fee. And she took me shopping, and I, I'm, I'm getting a whole wardrobe, you know, because she says, hey, when you go on television, you know, in a casual setting, you need this. And when you're in a formal setting, you need this. And when you're doing um, talks to a 1,000 people, you know, you need to be a little more formal. Let's do this. And when you're doing your coaching programs with 20 people, you know, you can be casual. You, you want this. So she got me all these wardrobes, and she's great at it. I got my money out of it. Okay, no problem. I would have done it again. 
But she was in her element. I mean, she absolutely was loving her day, and she's shopping, you know, and she found stuff for her along the way. She found these really cool jeans that were kind of the Western cowboy jeans with the embroidery in them, and she picked them up. It was a win-win because it sounded like you had a good time. She was doing what she loved. You were buying some of the things that you wanted to and needed for the TV material. She was making money while she was doing what she loved. She was out there shopping, normally maybe not getting paid at all, but here she was earning money. And, of course, you were also stimulating the economy because you gave her money, which she would spend someplace at some point, and you were buying at the different stores, which meant they were receiving money and the clerks were getting paid. So it sounds like a win-win-win on all kinds of fronts. It, it, it is, and that's what this principle is about, is spending money. It's a win-win-win for everybody, and, and, and you're creating ideas. So what she had done was figured out how to take her passion and share it with others. You see, most people think of shopping where you just go shopping for yourself. She took her passion for shopping and now figured out, how do I share that with others in a way that brings value to them? You see, once she shared her value with me, and, and, and the other dozen people – see, she worked with me for four hours that day. I paid her $5,000. When she was done with me, she met another client who paid her another $5,000. So she, so she earned $10,000 that day and went on to do it the next day, the next day, the next day. She was making $10,000 a day doing simply what she loves to do. And so the secret is – and that's what this formula is about, is figuring out what, you know, what are you passionate about, and now what is an idea that you can take to share your passion with the world? When Bill Gates decided to share his passion with the world, you see it turned into miracles. Mm-hmm. I'm sharing my passion with worlds in a number of ways, through my books, through my seminars, through my real estate, through my businesses. I'm sharing it with the world in a way that brings value to them. And when you, and when you do that, you get paid for it. This is amazing. You are fascinating. We're going to run out of time, but if you don't mind, I want to ask you a series of real quickie questions yep. that have been coming up. One is, can you be spiritual and still love money? Well, that's a, that's a program that I did about a year ago. I did a radio show called Can You Be Spiritual and Still Love Money? And I said, absolutely, yes. I mean, my first book was about spirituality. It was called Secrets of the Miracle Inside. Uh, so that was my next question. I wanted to ask you what that book was about. Yeah, and, and it's, about, it, it, it's, about, it's about changing your belief system like we talked about. Mm-hmm. It's about finding the beliefs you adopted when you were growing up that have shaped your life today and figuring out how to heal from those hurts, change your beliefs, and become uh, prosperous emotionally, spiritually, financially. And so I was doing this show called Can You Be Spiritual and Still Love Money? And, and, my, and my answer is absolutely yes. In fact, if you're, if you're not making enormous amounts of money, then something's wrong. Something's wrong inside. In fact, something's wrong spiritually. Mm. And I don't believe that you can be spiritually happy and be poor. I mean, st- something's broken still there. And so when we did this show, uh, people started calling in off the hook. I mean, because everybody wants to be connected spiritually and to be happy and to be wealthy. And people started asking me to put, you know, what can I do for them, put together a mentoring program. And I really didn't have a mentoring program at that time that dealt with the topic. So right there on the air, I said, you know what, I'll put together a mentoring program absolutely free for anybody listening today. And in January, I put together a six-week-long teleseminar absolutely free Hmm. to about 50 people. And after I did the teleseminar, I thought, you know, this was so hot, i got to put it into a book. So in March, I wrote the book, Secrets of the Millionaire Inside. Uh. I went into editing eight weeks later. The bookstores picked it up before I printed it. I, I had to go to print 
two months ahead of schedule because the bookstores wanted it. <laughs> in October, it went out into the bookstores, and here we are. we got books nationwide right now and uh, climbing the charts on Amazon as we speak. So Amazing. absolutely, you can be spiritual and love money. I also know that very wealthy people are known to be givers. And I've learned, and I wrote a little booklet a long time ago called The Greatest Money-Making Secret in History, that when you give whatever it is that you want, you end up receiving the very thing you gave away. Do you find that that's true when it comes to millionaires? Are they big givers? Are you a big giver? And do you have something to give to Hypnotic Gold listeners? Yeah, uh, giving is the way to wealth. Uh, Again, it comes back to stop loving your money, be willing to give the money away, be willing to give your time away. Uh, because most of most of the people who become wealthy, again, the money kind of follows the behavior. So when you first start taking behaviors, sometimes you're doing it for free. Uh, it was like what I did when I gave away the free teleseminar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was giving because people asked for it. So I took my time to create the whole agenda, to create all the programs, and to actually do the programs. And some people said, why, why wouldn't you charge for that? And I said, well, you know, for right now, I just want to give it away. Uh, and I gave it all away. And I didn't even know at the time that it was going to turn into a book for me. But you see, a month later, I got the inspiration to now turn it into a book. Now, that's insightful. I didn't know that you didn't know it was going to be a book. No, when I first did the program, I didn't know it was going to be a book. I was actually – it was about a month after I did the program, and, and the inspiration came to me. My gosh, that was so good. I got to turn that into a book. And uh, you know, four weeks later – I mean I wrote the book in four weeks only because I already had all the content. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and the wealthiest people, what I learned from the multimillionaires, they're constantly giving. And in fact, they're giving sometimes millions of dollars in advance for a year or two years without being paid. Uh, you know, build, building something of value for the world. I mean, they know they're going to get paid. Don't get me wrong. They're, mm-hmm. they, they're not doing it entirely out of lack of motivation on their part. Mm-hmm. But, but they give long before they get paid, and they know that they're going to bring value to others long before they get paid, and they do it anyways. They have faith, you see, to, yeah. believe, to believe that the rule works. And so they give, and it does work, and they get paid. And you have something for Hypnotic Gold members. You have some CDs, some free audio downloads. Is under, do I yeah, I've got, I've got free reports on my website. In fact, some of them are the shocking things we do every day that keep us poor. Because, you know, we talked about some of these things, clipping coupons, shopping for sales, mowing your lawn. What are the things that people do every day? Uh, You know, go to my website, uh, formulaformillionaires.com. I've got three free reports that talk about what are the shocking things we do every day that keep us poor. Uh, Another report is, you know, what are are the things the affluent people do to become affluent? Uh, What are the money myths, top ten money myths, the things that, that, that keep us from being prosperous? So I'd like to give away those reports. I've also got some free uh, audio files on there. In fact, if you buy my book right now, well, I don't know when the, re- the recording is going to be listened to, but many times um, I'm giving away um, six of my audio CDs um, that are talking about all the principles in the book when you buy my book. Uh, so, uh, yeah, again, those are all on the website, formulaformillionaires.com. I'd love to get those free in the hands of your members. Great. Well, that's uh, website is www.formula for millionaires.com and I've been talking to Paul McCormick who's the author of Secrets of the Millionaire Inside which is an absolutely eye-opening riveting book that'll turn your brain inside out and he reveals the entire seven-step formula for becoming a millionaire most of which as you've learned from this hypnotic gold interview will be things you've never heard before they were news to me and they've helped me realign my own uh, wealth thermostat so I can uh, attract and allow even more money coming into my life. 
Paul, we got maybe one minute. Is there one thing, takeaway point, quote, idea, anything that you want my Hypnotic Gold members to be thinking about or doing? Is there one thing you want them to walk away with? I, I want them to take all the steps that we talked about and have faith to take the first step and do something. Henry Ford, when he was interviewed by Napoleon Hill, and Napoleon asked him, how did you become so successful? What's the biggest characteristic that you attribute it to? Henry Ford said, I don't always have all the pieces, and I don't even think I know how to get there, but I take the one step that I do know how to do, and then I know what the next step is and the next step. And he says, sometimes it looks like there's a river in the middle of the forest, and you don't know how to get across. He said, but I start walking towards the river, and more times than not, when I get to the river, the river's dried up. So the, the one takeaway is take the first step. Take the thing that I talked about, figure out how to scrape up 15 bucks, spend some money on something to save you time, hire somebody to do something, and then, and then put, and put into practice the seven steps that I talk about in my book. That's beautiful. Paul, I can't thank you enough. Everybody go get his book, Secrets of the Millionaire Inside, and go to his website, formulaformillionaires.com. I'm Joe Vitale. Godspeed to all of you. I'll see you next month. Thanks.